0: Hi, this is Vernon Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone, and we're going to be talking, uh, among other things, about Torchwood, uh, the first two episodes, Everything Changes, in day one, and then we might get into some other categories of discussion uh, when we've exhausted that topic. Uh, so Adam, uh, it's sort of a reversal, because normally you're the one that knows more about the Doctor Who stuff <laughs> than I do, and in this case, I've seen Torchwood and you I think said you saw the, the last two seasons, so... Uh,
1: I, saw the, I saw the third season, and I saw the first, maybe first two episodes of season four. Okay. That's what I've seen.
0: All right, and, and for those who are listening that haven't seen Torchwood, the third and the fourth season are very different from the first two. Yeah. So, <laughs> so part of the reason we did this was I was talking about the, the difference, and we decided that we'd watch Torchwood from the beginning and, 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 and discuss some of those things. So what was your initial impression of the series?
1: Okay, well, go go in the background, you know, watching third season first, that was a really serious, super dramatic show. And I I liked it. And but I now understand why you didn't having watched this, watched two episodes of of the first season, because it's not the same show at all. It's like, this yeah, well, going into into Torchwood, I know people, a lot of people on the internet hated Torchwood and complained about it all the time, and so I kind of went into it with that. And I enjoyed it. I mean, it's it's a pretty silly show, really. It's it's kind of light and kind of fun for for what it is. But I enjoyed it. It it, it doesn't it doesn't attempt any kind of realism or anything. But uh, but it that's okay. I, I, I don't feel it really needed to. It, yeah. Uh...
0: Yeah. I feel like, and and I feel like it does a good job. It's like a blend of all of the, the tone of the show, at least for the first two seasons for me really matches the Jack Harkness character persona. Mm-hmm. Like it just takes all the different elements that kind of make him interesting and turn that into a show. And I feel like by the third and the fourth season, they really started to focus exclusively on the darker, aspects of the character which are definitely there and 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 you do see them dealt with in the first and second season of torchwood but dealing with that to the exclusion of all other aspects of them is kind of what i and i enjoyed the third season i enjoyed the fourth season um i just didn't think that they were as i don't know as exuberant (laughs) as the first two and the and the first (laughs) two really i don't know they're just fun they're fun and they 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 take themselves just seriously enough for me. Um,
1: and, yeah, well, it's it's the whole adult show thing. It's like, ooh, this is going to be Doctor Who for adults. I think, I, I guess, a lot of people went into it thinking this is going to be serious business, you know, and they were, and it's like, well, it, it's definitely adult content, but it's just they, anyone expecting seriousness is going to be disappointed. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, and and I think also what it does is it has fun, it has like adult fun with some of the core Doctor Who concepts. So, you know, but, but it still starts off, I mean, they're going to be a spoiler here, so, you know, we'll, uh, yeah. uh, let, let, let me just, I'm, you know, I'm going to talk about an important character death. But the first episode is still pretty serious. It begins... It's true. ...with with uh, <laughs> uh, somebody uh, with a murder and a person, uh, and Torchwood shows up and they use a glove to, to, to resurrect him briefly. But one of the first things the person says is that, you know, there isn't anything beyond uh, death, that he just saw darkness or there was nothing. <laughs> and that's a pretty yeah. that's a pretty grim thing for a show to open with. And then the, the, the episode ends with the suicide of one of the characters. So, yeah,
1: I guess, I guess it says something about the state of cable drama, that it's like, you know, I, I watched a show where the ends with someone shooting themselves in the head, and I'm like, ah, oh, what a light and fun show. <laughs> well, but, but the reason why you
0: do that is because for the, the between those moments, there's a lot of lighthearted material. Um yeah. And also the second <laughs> episode, the uh, day one, is basically, for lack of a better word, it's about a a, a, a parasitic <laughs> alien that that feeds off orgasms. So yeah, which yeah. which I which I think is a really cool sci-fi concept. Um, but it's so ridiculous because you know they're they're having fun with it. But I thought I don't know I I, I, I liked the idea. I thought that it uh um it, 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 it again it's 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 a good sci-fi concept. But they deal, they're dealing with it in... I don't know a Jack Harkness kind of way Um, Mm -hmm. but oh, go ahead I'm sorry
1: no 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 I was just disagreeing with you it 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 is very Jack Harkness that's for sure I mean it it, I I, you know for this the character and I mean basically yeah I, I I feel like I'm kind of surprised this show was so negatively received because I mean people that are Doctor Who fans should be used to you know, of New Who, especially, should be used to a show being pretty ridiculous a lot of the time. It's, uh, and yeah, I, I feel like it, it. so far, at least Captain Jack Harkness has been well represented on the show. That's who he is. He's, he's pretty irresponsible in a lot of ways, but I don't know. It's working for me so far.
0: Yeah. And, and I will say, you know, we'll see how that pans out over the long haul. But for the first two episodes, you know, I think it really, I think it, it, these are really enjoyable uh, episodes, the first two, um, and I, I personally, mm-hmm. I like the first two seasons a lot. I, th- I Again, I thought the third season is fine, and I mean, obviously, Capaldi is in that one. He does a great job, uh, uh-huh. but for me, I, th- I think the reason why I didn't care so much for the third and fourth season is the show slowly becomes 24, and... They sort of do it, like, in the in the third season, I think it's not like... Like, 24, if people haven't seen it, it's it's a real-time show. So every episode is like an hour of time from the characters' lives. And that places a lot of really uh, difficult restrictions on, <laughs> on what the writers can and can't do. And if I remember, and it's been a few years since I've seen uh, the third season of Torchwood but the that took place over a certain number of days and so each episode was a day if i recall and i think by the time they get to the fourth one i'm pretty sure it's over the course of a single day it's either it was either 24 hours of a day or 24 days but i'm pretty sure it's the former um and so I, i just felt like the show slowly became 24 and there was always there was always like a 24 influence on the show it seemed because you know there are they are a, a secret agency within the government and they sort of will take extreme measures to to solve problems because the threat that they're facing is so outrageously dangerous. But yeah. um, but it just kind of maybe for me with the third and fourth season became too much of the show. Uh, you know, it, it just went too much into that territory for me. And I, and I already, I've already seen 24 and I, you know, I like 24 fine, but I didn't need it to become 24.
1: Um, No, well, at this point it has more in common with like, you know, some kind of like 60s spy show or something where there's this ridiculous spy agency that would never exist in the real world dealing with weird threats. And it's like, that's that's fine. I can, I can, I can, I can accept that, yeah. that, that is being what the show is. So trying to turn ve- it serious.
0: Very lax security going on. Yeah. At Torchwood for, <laughs> it doesn't... Um, you know, no guards whatsoever. No, no, no discernible security system. Um, they're no, ordering no. pizza under the Torchwood name. Uh,
1: you know, well, letting like, people wander around with their alien devices and use them privately and yeah. when they get caught and busted at the end then the next episode they're still doing it but see, aside I, from saying don't do that you know no no but see <laughs>
0: that's one of the things that makes the first episode so tragic um you'll you'll see i, uh-huh. I think it's the fourth or fifth episode you're gonna see how jack harkness probably would have reacted to things had susie not killed herself um, okay, it, it's either that or because of what Susie did, this is how he ends up reacting but but either way, i I suspect, you know, just just based on on how Jack Harkness tends to do things that the, 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 uh, his management style is very much about you know, uh, letting people learn from their mistakes and and using forgiveness as a tool um, uh-huh. and and so, uh, and I think again, I think that's one of the things that makes Susie's situation in the first episode so tragic. And 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 yeah. and, and that's that that story that storyline comes up again. We'll, well, they'll revisit what went on in that episode. Um, okay,
1: cool. Yeah, and that that was a surprise. I I didn't actually know what was going to happen with that character. I, it was it is kind of an interesting twist having the character you think is part of the main cast, you know, suddenly be dead. But, uh,
0: <laughs> no, and it's funny because she was the woman from, from Rome, too, and I think her character died at the end of the first season of Rome, if I remember. Um,
1: oh, who was she in Rome? I'm trying to, trying she to place was. It. I, fr- I forget the so character's
0: name, but, um, but one of the main character's wives, she was uh, the one who ends up jumping off the balcony and killing herself.
1: I need to rewatch that show. It's been too long. Yeah, it's so. been
0: a while. From in fact, I was uh, later on. I want to talk about historical accuracy in media, and I was enrolled with the was the uh, the <laughs> we'll jump to off point time. for it. Yeah, but Great. um, but,
1: but yeah, so but I yeah. Don't,
0: oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, I was just gonna say, uh, yeah, with Gwen's character, I, I feel like it, uh, points they've made her like a little too, you know. To uh what's the word i'm not looking for the word uh i don't I, I feel like you know she makes too many mistakes at some points at the same time being the same character that's always very set on following the rules you know she's kind of put yeah. out by how loose everything is there and it's like I, I feel like they kind of need to balance that a little more at some point but you know it's early yeah. in the season so having her make all these dumb mistakes i guess will probably subside a bit but yeah and, i do like f- her
0: and in fairness, one of her mistakes is a result of pheromones that, uh... Oh, that, takes, that
1: yeah, uh, that one, I'm, I'm giving her a pass on that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fine. Yeah, she, yeah,
0: just, uh... But yeah, but it, yeah. It, 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 to me, that I think that's a Doctor Who thing in general that I do sometimes find annoying. And in Torchwood, you see it on display, I think, even more, where stupid mistakes that maybe characters shouldn't make, they make for plot reasons, um... Uh, yeah and so yeah and I, uh, was there was there a particular moment in the show that you had in mind with that or was it just a general impression of the character
1: uh god i i've brought it up and now i'm trying to pinpoint the specific specific point i mean obviously there's her throwing the tool thing to the yeah. guy but uh that's that's you know a big one but uh i i feel like there was more um I mean that yeah. was a pretty big mistake. That 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 was a you know that, <laughs> that, that was a that
0: that unleashed an alien upon the upon the city. So I think that that qualifies. And it was basically yeah. to make a quip. That was really the only reason she threw the threw the tool. So
1: yeah, I feel like. I feel like that that could have been could have that 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 scene could have worked a little better if they'd more actively played that off the fact I'm the only person who cares about the rules here and you people don't and so I'm going to I'm going to be kind of like a Frank Grimes kind of moment from mm-hmm. The Simpsons if that means anything to you but okay. I feel like it came I feel like it came a little early in the episode so it didn't it didn't quite have that resonance it could have but, i also
0: uh, felt like that was a really ridiculous mistake and like just the idea that you would throw something in the whole thing you know like, like yeah I, I don't know if, like, like if that's FI all it took you to anyways print. you know yeah. wouldn't the crash landing of you know like
1: yeah uh-huh. yeah it just it just it just didn't seem the right moment for her to be flippant. I felt like if she'd been going through a whole episode of everyone else being flippant about things and going, Fine, I'm tired of being the serious person, but instead it was the opposite. She did that flippant, ridiculous thing, and would have all the points through the rest of the episode where she's the one going, you're looking at police records and yeah. all of that kind of stuff. It, it felt backwards to me.
0: I get, no, I hear what you're saying. Um, and I think they were trying to do like a first day on the job type of thing. So that was, they were, you know, yeah. Was, but yeah. She I, was I, a
1: cop. She, she had been a cop. I mean, dealing with stuff like, she's a cop who, who's really finicky about the rules. So. Yeah, <laughs> it was a weird first day mistake for her.
0: But, um, and the other thing too was, um, and the thing that I like about that episode is they it kind of puts on display this is basically what you're going to get from torchwood do you know what I mean like this is mm-hmm. this is like yeah. all all the good and bad that torchwood has to offer <laughs> is on display and so yeah. if you don't like this episode you pretty much know the show isn't for you and um you know I remember when I first started watching I watched it because a friend of mine was like you got to you know he's just nagging me to watch the show so I eventually relented and watched it and uh and I remember when he described it to me, it didn't sound like the kind of show I would normally like, and it isn't really the kind of show I would normally like. Uh, yeah, I'm not usually a fan of these kind of shows, but something about the tone of the show, the way that it just kind, it just is so whimsical, and how it deals with a lot of the sort of the eccentricities of the character and the and the like the like the sexuality stuff and all that, that it's it's not, I don't know, it doesn't feel preachy or anything like that. It just kind of is celebratory, and so uh-huh. the tone really. Uh, worked for me um and it's and it's fun it's a fun show
1: but, yeah uh, i i agree i mean i i always like captain jack on the uh on, on doctor who and so i for me it's like yeah this is this is good i i don't know why i never watched it when it first aired i i have i i never made a conscious decision to not watch it so I, i'm kind of I'm kind of thinking back, wondering why why was I not watching this at the time? Because I, I should have been. But well, I, I mean, you know, sometimes. spinoffs are always a tricky thing. Do you know? What I mean? it's a, yeah, like, oh, I know. i just. I, I. It's. It's just. I, I have no recollection of why I didn't even give it a look, though. But, but you know, yeah, it could, it could I, have I, been the cho-
0: the Joni loves Chachi of. Uh, of <laughs> it could have been. World, you
1: know? <laughs> it could have been, but. Uh, yeah i i'm i'm on board i'm willing to watch more episodes going forward i am uh that, yeah I'll, I'll I'll be doing another one tonight now that we've gotten these two okay reviewed. yeah
0: so i'll probably mm. uh i'll probably uh, be watching again <laughs> tonight then um i think i think the real test will be um when we get to uh What's that episode? When we get to episode four, the Cyberwoman episode, that is going to be the real test. <laughs> the uh, real that's test. That's the one. Right. I think that's the one that really breaks people in either direction. So, <laughs> um,
1: yeah. Well, approaching this from jumping off Doctor Who. Doctor Who is a show which every now and then will just spit out an episode that I, I'm like, yeah, that was just terrible. So, it's going to have to be really bad to completely derail cool. me from watching the show.
0: The the other reason why I wanted to watch Torchwood too is because chris chibnall he wasn't i don't think he was a showrunner I think russell t davies was the technical showrunner of this program but i am pretty sure chris chibnall did the bulk of the writing for the first two seasons Uh, i think
1: yeah i mean if i recall the story was that rtd wanted to be the showrunner for for torchwood and he kind of got everything set up and then he realized oh yeah i'm also showrunning doctor who and that's a huge amount of work so he kind of dumped it on chibnall okay so it's 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 really yeah. Chibnall did I, I think did a lot of writing on it, but it's yeah. it's 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 you know a lot of people a lot of people use that as the evidence of Chibnall what he's going to be like for Doctor Who when he takes over. And I'm like I don't know if that's fair because RTD had already done all the groundwork on this show, so it's tough to say how much of it's Chibnall and how much of it's RTD. but... So.
0: Well, I mean, I think at the very least it should be predictive in certain respects. Like, I mean, obviously he's working within whatever constraints Russell T. Davies set for him, I think. Yeah, but, um, I know. But I mean, he I... writes enough episodes like, okay, so he wrote Day One and he wrote Cyberwoman, and yeah. he also wrote End of Days and Countryside. Uh, so, you know, those are all those are episodes that are all going to come up this season. And then next season, I think we get ev- We uh, he might have even more. I'm not sure. But, um, but I think it, it, you know, again, I don't think, I don't imagine that, that the next series of Dr. Who is going to be anything like day one. Um, yeah. but, but still we might, you know, I, 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 I think, I, I think, uh, I don't know. It, it's still part of his resume. And, and it's, and it's the, mm-hmm. you know, so I, th- I think between this, the Doctor Who's, and I still haven't seen it, but, uh, what's, what's the show that, um, that you watch that we were talking about? Uh,
1: Broadchurch. Broadchurch. Which, yeah, which can be on the heavy side, so that's, uh, yeah, there might be a heaviness to it. It's tough to say, but,
0: uh. But that should be interesting, because yeah, that kind of shows to me a very broad range. If, it uh, does. If, if Broadchurch is like you described it, and like I imagine it, um. And also, just comparing I'm that up. to some of his Doctor Who episodes, it seems like he maybe he's a, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe we'll get a... a I, I I'm a big fan of Hong Kong movies, and one of the reasons why is because they're all over the map in terms of tone <laughs> totally, and range.
1: yeah, yeah. And, and, I agree.
0: And maybe I agree. maybe that's what we're in for. I don't know.
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, one thing one thing I I think people universally like that he added to Doctor Who is people really liked Rory's father when he was a character. And he did the episodes with Rory's father where he was significant. And uh, so that's I think that's something he's going has going for him that people tend not to bring up whenever he's mentioned. Yeah, no.
0: And I think I think in Torchwood, one of the things that does work for the show is the. The interplay between the characters and the drama between the characters, and um, there, there definitely is a lot of room for that in the show, because uh, that's really what it's about. It's not, it's not, it's, it's, it's it, it, you know, Doctor Who is really more focused on the adventure, and, and I mean, yeah. the companion Doctor relationship is important, but it's, you know, it's not, it's not, um, uh, it's, it, it doesn't quite have the same feel as Torchwood, which is a little bit more being locked in the room with these four people.
1: You know? <laughs> that's true. Um, yeah, I think. I think that's where the, the tonal issues I was having with, uh, with with Gwen came from. In that they were trying to they were trying to make her the companion character who's kind of picked up and whoa, I have no idea what's going on. But at the same time, they they want her to be the the rules hard cop, and it's 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 a weird weird combination. Yeah, and, I uh, think it
0: takes them a while to get her footing right in that respect.
1: Uh huh.
0: I even even when I went back and rewatched the first episode this time, I. I did find myself because I already knew she was going to become a member of Torchwood. I I, I realize why they did it the way they did it, but they kind of dragged it out, you know. And you know what I mean? Like oh it, yeah. It was it, it. maybe was went on longer than it needed to. Um, yeah. But also, the I think they thing were thing
1: and they, they like, were you're like oh, <laughs> you're ready for them to recruit her, and then it's like oh, we're doing the amnesia thing, and then she forgets for a while, and it's like okay, we know she's going to remember, just get back to it, but yeah I mean, it was an enjoyable episode, so it's not like I was really sitting there going being angry about it, but it just it did it seem belabored though
0: no yeah i i I think that that aspect of it definitely went on to on but that first episode I think is a the way that especially with the way that it ends um mm-hmm it has a lot of impact and then to go from that to that that much lighter first episode <laughs> that's again that's one of the things i like about the show and again that's i think that's why the third and the fourth season just didn't land for me as well because they were all such one to, one note seasons yeah. and yeah. this 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 season really has so many different notes you get you get you get a lot of emotions over the course of the season and i kind of like that um, mm-hmm. I I'm sort of the same way with my movies. I like movies that give me a lot of emotions
1: over the course of a viewing. Um
0: yeah, I so... agree.
1: I agree. I I like uh I like uh tonal variety in my storytelling. I mean, that's you know, I mean that's honestly uh you know, going over entertainment as a whole, I feel I feel drama has the advantage that drama can have lots of comedy in it, you know, and still be a drama whereas, you know, comedies can suffer when you put a lot of drama in them <laughs> well, I don't
0: know. see i don't know i might disagree with that a little bit i think it depends on how it's done um, uh uh-huh. so uh i, I don't know if, have, you, have you seen any have you seen any Stephen chow movies
1: i've seen uh kung fu hustle it's the only one i've okay, seen so, so far. i'm
0: trying to think if that's a good i mean i guess that's an example of a of a movie that is sort of a comedy that has heart but that one i think is primarily a comedy but yeah it, it's,
1: it's got its its heart moments but they're not we, they're not huge parts we, of it there's two, uh,
0: so there's other movies I'd prefer to watch, but these are two I know are easily available. If we, mm-hmm. we we'll talk about it after the show. But there, there's a there's okay. a movie called King of Comedy that he did, and there's also another one called Shaolin Soccer, and they're both movies that they're comedies, but they have a they have a lot of sort of tender, uh, drama sure. moments in them, and I, I think that can work too if it's done right. Um, it's it's just. It, it, it's I think it's when you get like a movie like Caddyshack and you try to squeeze drama.
1: Into yeah, that's, a, that's what I'm talking. It's kind of what well, kind of when you throw the life lesson thing in there. It's like, oh, you know, because like there's the whole there's the whole tradition in American comedy of having there, there's this main character who's kind of wacky and funny. And now we're going to watch a movie about them learning not to be that wacky, funny yeah. person we were entertained by. It's like that's. But
0: that's kind of... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> that, that's that. But, but
1: yeah. Yeah. Oh, go, you go ahead. You well, I was go gonna ahead.
0: say that's what that's what I meant by it's not preachy. Like it it embraces yeah. the Jack Harkness character and it doesn't give us any. I I'm past the point that I need the life lessons from from you know <laughs> what I mean. And so yeah. just that it's sort of celebrating the different aspects of his character without you know sort of saying giving me a, a, a road map of how to be is 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 what wor- what works for me here. And I think um, uh, and again I think it's sort of the same thing with with sort of the comedic character where uh, uh, you know if you if you try if you try to if you try to pivot that into a and now we're going to teach you something moment um, yeah it just it just doesn't there there is a way to sort of illuminate the world for people through movies and drama and comedy but but if, but when it's done in that way I, I find that I don't know. It's it's like when they insert like remember. I guess the classic example would be like Punky Brewster, the Just Say No episode. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, where where, where yeah. you immediately start gr- becoming suspicious of the message because of the way that it's delivered. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, so. I think I think what I'm really trying to say. I think I said it badly in saying. I I what I what I like is I just, I just like you said I just like tonal differences in my shows. I, I, it's not that I like drama cuz it can have comedy and comedy can't. Cuz that's not true. You've called me out on it. It's totally right. But I like I like my comedy and drama stirred together. And I mean to give you a show I had a problem with for that reason? I tried watching the new version of Battlestar Galactica,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I just really couldn't get into it. I mean, it wasn't bad, but I, I just I got a few episodes in and kind of trailed off and stopped watching it. Then, then, and I, I realized why I didn't like it when I tried watching the follow-up show. I think Caprica was called. Mm-hmm. I thought when, when that came on, I thought, well, I'll give this a try too. And it's set it's set before it's a prequel series, so it's kind of set before the Cylons come back and before civilization's devastated and people are 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 fleeing and stuff and i and i realized in neither show nobody ever cracks a joke nobody ever like jokes around it's like it's like because it's a drama it's got to be serious all the time and every and it's like i don't buy that it's like you know, because like as you know a serious show like The Wire, you know on HBO, which is just a really grim, serious show, but it's frequently hilarious. you know and it's like yeah. reality is frequently hilarious. and when you when you try to make drama where everything is serious all the time, that's that's not how serious situations are. People still find humor in things.
0: no, and that, I, I call that like like when movies or shows are too stately. That that, yeah. that 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 definitely it, it becomes suffocating and and actually you sort of backtracked on something you said so I'm about to backtrack on something I said <laughs> I just realized I said I don't like when shows deliver life lessons but then I. I realized I really liked Star Trek: The Next Generation, and that was, just, you know, <laughs> lesson after lesson after lesson, and it didn't bother me. So my
1: lessons can be good; they're just difficult to pull off. Yeah. So yeah, um, I think you I'll know what it is. The show has there. to be
0: good enough that you would be forgiving of it too. Like, uh,
1: uh, yeah, I can forgive Star Trek: The Next Generation.
0: I cannot forgive Punky Brewster or um, uh, uh, different strokes for for those moments yeah, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah
1: well different strokes there, there there's a comedy that can go really dark at times yeah, in yeah. unexpected ways but
0: <laughs> yeah that's true that, that's a whole other show though i think uh,
1: but uh, yeah I, I don't know what was happening with that show but uh but, but no, I, yeah <laughs> I, I think <laughs> I, I i um i definitely
0: like okay there's a like one of the, and I haven't I haven't really seen any of these movies, so I don't know um, if, if it's the case. Like, but I've heard this term post horror, where people talk about horror movies that aren't horror movies. I guess because they're more artistic in tone, and I haven't seen that, but I have seen wuxia movies that are that I would call post wuxia movies that are they're like movies that are not that they take the genre super serious in order to be artistic. Um, so like a film that would be an example of that is The Assassin, the movie that came out, I think, in 2015, and yeah. I tried, and I, I love Wuxia, but I tried to watch that, and I couldn't because it was so mind-numbingly boring, because it took itself <laughs> too seriously. There were, yeah. there were no... And I'm fine even with a Wuxia movie that's like all action and drama and doesn't have that much humor in it, but it was just so serious, I, I, I couldn't get into it. I, I think sometimes when movies have that, that monotone like that, it can be... It can be kind of a drag. Uh,
1: yeah, well, it's it's a matter of character sympathy for me too. It's just to someone that that you know sees things with kind of a humorous lens a lot of the time. If if nobody on the show has a sen- visible sense of humor, it's just they're not they're not characters I relate to. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, and, and you see, like like I said with the Battlestar Battlestar Galactica Caprica thing, it came together for me watching Caprica because. Caprica was just set in the equivalent of a modern day city. And it's like, well, you know, you could almost I mean, I still don't buy that. Nobody would ever have any sense of humor while being on some refugee fleet flying that fleeing the destruction of their world and stuff. But it's like, people are still going to find some kind of humor, but, but on Caprica, it was like, there was, there was glaring. It's like, why is, why is everyone so serious all the time? Uh, i don't know it's uh it, it, it yeah i i just i just need some comedy in there definitely. okay i mean i think that's fair i think that's fair and right. i
0: think the kind of loosely brings us to our next subject which was historical okay. accuracy in in media in general um and i i don't know i just i i i was involved in a discussion on um uh on uh rome the other day and this came up and i was thinking about it and I think it kind of gets us into that territory as well because I think you can be overly stately about uh about the seriousness of, of tone but you can also be overly stately about uh historical accuracy in a movie yeah and yeah and uh and and I guess my feeling is I tend to prefer movies that have fun with history and I don't worry too much about uh, about them being overly accurate or I, I guess, I guess what confuses me is a lot of times I see people um, use that as a measure of whether a movie is good. Like I didn't like the movie because this didn't happen in history or that didn't happen in history. And I, I tend to separate my history books from my movies. Um, yeah. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that.
1: Yeah, I can separate it. I mean, obviously you know if a movie manages to be entertaining and historically accurate it's like wow that's that's fantastic but if a movie is entertaining me i'll give it a lot of passes on historical accuracy i mean obviously there's going to be those things that trip you up because people have their personal personal little bugbears where they're like oh you know they, they you know they get caught up on on that one historical fact that they know that most people don't and the yeah. movie didn't have it so i think a lot of people get hung up on that but yeah i i'm i'm fine with it i mean it, it's it's hard to like historical movies at all if you if you're worried entirely about accuracy
0: well i i remember when i was a history student i had a hard time watching movies and the one i when i when i went to see gladiator i was actually i was actually in the middle of writing a paper on marcus aurelius and <laughs> and, and i remember i was the most annoying person in the theater i think because i i i couldn't enjoy it um there were just every you know like every little detail that didn't line up with what I knew or thought I knew bothered me. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. But everybody that I went with had a great time, and it wasn't until years later when I watched the movie and didn't worry about that stuff that I uh, I enjoyed it and I realized you you kind you, you you just it's it's hard to enjoy if 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 I were to impose historical accuracy as the uh, you know as sort of the the benchmark on 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 cinema i think i think movies like that would maybe be less entertaining do you know what I mean yeah not that they shouldn't draw on real historical things just that the need to deviate in order to be dramatic or funny or whatever is kind of important um and and also just the, you know sometimes the like like they're telling they when you when you make a movie about a, a historical period you you're not your audience isn't professional historians your audience is people who might be misinformed about history and you might knowingly do things that play to that. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you, yeah. you know, like, like you might know, okay, people assume this thing about this figure because of, because they saw Amadeus or something. And, <laughs> and so you, you use that to your advantage because you know that it's going to be immediately recognizable. Whereas something that's more historically accurate might not be as recognizable. Uh, sure. So and also I don't think I, I mean, I very rarely have I seen like a biopic that's super serious and accurate. That's also entertaining. Do you know what I mean? It's,
1: yeah, I agree. I agree. It's, uh, it, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I, I basically find that, uh, that, that with, with historical movies, I mean, you know, cause the well, whole thing is too, there's also thematic things like, you know, is a movie thematically accurate, like, you know, Lawrence of Arabia you can find you know there's lots of things that aren't historically on the nose in that but I feel like it makes a lot of really interesting points about that era of history and so yeah. it's it works for me it's like yeah that that has a lot to say I I, I it doesn't it doesn't need to get every factual little point correct well
0: and it's and it's really good and also it what it does I think is it helps spark an interest so yes obviously somebody shouldn't be getting their history from lawrence of arabia it's probably a very bad place to yeah <laughs> begin with with your your historical knowledge but it's a really great place to begin getting interested do you know what i mean so yes. like say somebody sees that and then they're like okay well i'm going to read more on on on, on the israeli palestine conflict and and uh you know read more on this or that and 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 what i think will happen is as they you know when you know, when they start reading about this stuff they the movie will help serve as fuel for their interest um, i, agree. And and and, I and, agree and 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 it'll be interesting for them to see where the history matches what they saw on the screen and where it deviates from it um you know, yeah. And so, so I, you know, when I, when I was younger, I got very into I. Claudius, and that was something that helped launch my interest mm-hmm. in Rome. And one of the fascinating things for me when I was learning about the early emperors was, was when it, when the stuff lined up with the material from the Graves book or the, or the TV series, and when the stuff, clearly didn't or when there or when it was even more interesting where like oh well this might not be what historians believe but in Suetonius it says this so that's why he did you know it, it, <laughs> it was it was I thought that was very interesting um the, but the but the but the the series didn't need to be accurate it just needed to be um uh, a starting point to spark my interest um, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, and one thing with history is the further back you go in history, too, the more it becomes just a bunch of different stories you kind of have to sort through. So it's like, you know, I feel like reading reading. You know, I mean, a lot of, a lot of interesting things you read when you're history are accounts of things which may or may not be biased and. It's like it's a similar thing to watching movies, you just kind of take it. It's like, oh, this is this version person's version of the story.
0: Well, well, that's the other thing, too. There are different like schools of thought about like, okay, they, this historian might think this, and this historian might think that. And there usually ends up being maybe you know, like a few different uh, uh, uh lines of argument about uh, a, a given era, but um. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, I, even even that aside. I just think that um, uh, if even if we're like talking about things where there's like a really strong consensus, like well, this is you know what this technology looked like in this age, or this is you know how they ate soup in <laughs> yeah. uh, you know I don't I don't get I don't get too worried about about a lot of those details uh, you don't you
1: don't sit there critiquing soup eating in movies it's like no, not not that, not that i could
0: i don't think i, I, I that's was not the right kind well, of
1: spoon well,
0: well you know what it is too like <laughs> I, I think um online a lot of the discussions about history do tend to focus on things like utensils and swords and yeah. clothing and yeah and not do. i mean when i when i took when i got my history degree i didn't have a single class on, um, textiles. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't even counter textiles until I did my, did, did an internship at a local museum. Cause one of the women there was really into textiles and she was like telling me everything about them. But, uh, I, I that's, 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 that's not a lot of times you, you know, you, you're in a, I mean, it depends on what your, your area of specialization would be, but you might be focused more on, like social history or political history or you know thing that you might yeah. you, you could you could be a historian about a, a period and not give a damn about what kind of sword somebody was using. Um it yeah. just might not be your area, you know?
1: Well it goes back to what I was saying earlier where people really like to harp on the things that only they know. If you have this little tiny tiny corner of history you've carved out and something is wrong you know, something they get that wrong in a movie, then you really want to shout it from the rooftop. It's like, yeah. Hey, I'm the guy that knows, oh, knows they're eating saying. soup wrong. You know, it's like the more, the more specialized knowledge is the more likely someone is to get, get nitpicky about it. A lot of times. Well, and,
0: and I think a lot of times it is kind of, cause I remember when, when I felt that way, a lot of times I think it really was me just wanting people to know that I knew. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so I knew, I knew that's, about that's... Marcus Aurelius before any of you knew about it. So, and like, and now I just like, you know, I think the only person that's ever subjected to that from me is my wife. And uh, and, uh, and, uh, and she pretty much tells me I'm ridiculous when I do it. Like, I think, you know, it's not impressing yeah. her in the least. Um, so
1: Yeah, well, I think it's something I would do a lot when I was younger, too. And I think it's when you're. You know, when you're 20, you really feel you need to prove yourself all the time and show how smart you are. And so you're a lot more likely to get carried away with that stuff. As you get older, it's like, you know stuff, you don't know stuff, and you get more. Well, also, when You don't need to prove it. I was saying, yeah, you just don't need to prove it.
0: Well, the other thing, too, is uh, certainty was one of the things, was like a, a mentality that I very rarely encountered in the history department. It was normally, uh-huh. um, like, the better... The better uh, historians always seem to be the people that like if you ask them a question a lot of, if they didn't know something they would say i don't know let me check on that do you know what i mean they would yeah they wouldn't yeah. like bs you and dig their heels in just to do it um and and so yeah but i do think a lot of online discussion about history does become that because people you know i have done it too where you sort of dig your heels in and you want them oh, was, you know i i uh but 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 it's very you know it's very it's one of these things where even if it's like a subject that I know about, I find I have to go back and check sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I don't remember everything there is to know, even if it was something I studied very closely, like seven years ago. Uh, yeah. it's always been, it's always yeah. to my benefit to go back and reevaluate, you know, what I thought I knew. Um,
1: but yeah, uh, well, it's it, it, I mean, t- taking it to gaming. I mean, it's like, you know, people always complain about the lack of historical gaming and, and it really comes down to the fact that people get so stubborn about history and so nitpicky a lot of the time that it just scares people away. It's like, I, you know, no one wants to run a game in, in you know, historical Rome because, you know, you might get one player who's going to complain about every, every detail of your setting. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, and I, yeah. I, I definitely thought, I mean, I think the best thing that, you can do in, in those kind of cases. If you're somebody that knows a lot about a period, it just, you know, you just help fill in the gaps when the GM needs the, uh, you know, like the GM sure. asks. Um, but yeah, I, I, with historical gaming, it, it can be, it can be very tricky because I think people do get a little too stately about it. And that deters them from, from just allowing themselves to have a learning curve where, mm-hmm. you know, you start out, you know, you, when you, if you, like if if I decide to to set a game, you know, in in the 1400s during the fall of Constantinople, um, I'm not going to expect every gamer to know, you know, to know the con- to know everything about that period. And so I think no. I think you have to kind of allow a certain period of time for people to become familiar with it over the course of play and allow for mistakes.
1: Um, yeah, you know, yeah, it is a game. And the players, it's not, it's the not... players have to allow the allow the GM to make mistakes. I mean, when I when I run a historical game, I always say, "Okay, this is my version of this year," and you know, just it's 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 a fiction. It's my fictional version of this this period in history. And I mean, if you want to talk to me about something I get wrong, you know, be polite. And we can we can discuss it, but uh, you know. don't don't expect it to be the reality of that time period completely no i
0: i I would agree with you and i I especially found that to be the case when i was running doctor who because with doctor who you have to jump from period to period oh yeah and i mean i guess it depends on how you run it you could do it so that you're planning everything in advance but i was kind of doing it like not as organized as that and uh you you if if players are time traveling in a game from one period to the next you don't have time to like research that period before you run the game. Do you know what I mean? You have to just jump yeah. right into it. And I mean, I, I, I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of some parts of history, but there are some periods <laughs> I, that I just know nothing about, or I have such superficial knowledge that I'm sure that there's, you know, uh, a lot of stuff I would get wrong. And I don't know. I, I think with gaming, you kind of have to relax a little bit about that. I mean, if you know a lot about a period, fine, that's great. That'll add to it. But I don't think it's a requirement to run a, a game in a particular period. Um, yeah. I mean, as a player, I, I, I don't I, mind if I, if I know the GM is just sort of giving me, you know, the Errol Flynn version of, of Old England. I'm fine with that. It doesn't sure. bother me. yeah um,
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the the reason I kind of, you know, like to bring this topic up is just from the standpoint that I like playing historical games, but I want them to be fun. And it just bothers me that so many people in the gaming community are just scared of historical games because of bad experiences they've had. And it's like, just just relax about it.
0: (laughs) Well, you know what it is, too? It's that common. I I mean, you know, gamers, we're were a geeky bunch. And so we tend to. I think we tend to, re- you know, like that. Like I think one of our def- uh, a defining feature of me, at least, and I think of a lot of gamers that I know, is when we get mm-hmm. into something, we get super into it. Like I don't just yeah. get into, um, I don't know. Let me pick something random off my shelf. I I don't just get into Wuxia movies. I'll watch every every single one I can track <laughs> down, and uh, um, and I, I think that uh, I think with 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 history games, that's what tends to happen too. That 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 geek drive to just get super into the topic and get you know kicks in and the 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 cool thing about that is you get super enthusiastic you get you know it it, it can help generate other people's interest the dark side of it is you can frighten people off by being too uh too belligerent about it do you know what i mean like uh you know reprimanding people for getting things wrong you know showing off when you know what's what about something and i think that's i think that's sort of the mix that sometimes drives people away from them i, I i'd much rather uh you know have someone gming who's enthusiastic about it and mm-hmm. and isn't making the players uncomfortable because they don't understand the period uh and and i know and i don't mind the, the d if the dm wants it to be somewhat accurate that's fine by me just so long as they do it in a way that's not like making people second guess everything they do in the game. Do you know what I mean? Like being a helping guide, if you want it to be that way uh, without, without, you know, uh, making it like a a mortal sin, if that makes sense. Um, Yeah.
1: No, and it's, it's funny. It's funny with role playing too, because some, some settings have gotten so big that they have the same issues you have with, with history. Like I, I you know I played D and D early on and I kind of I I kind of came and went from D and D on my first run before Forgotten Realms really got off the ground it existed but I never really interacted it so when I came back for third edition I I you know I was like oh I'm going to run a game and I thought cool I'll pick up the Forgotten Realms set after I've been running for a while in Forgotten Realms campaigns I'm like oh this looks like a pretty cool setting I'll run a game in this. And then one guy shows up in my group, and he's read every Forgotten Realms mm. novel, and he's like super finicky about everything, and it's just like, oh man, okay, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe I don't want to run a game in Forgotten well, Realms. Well, Forgotten Realms is, uh, is
0: I mean, I I, I, I I in my Ogre Gate games, you know, that's I mean, that's not actual China, but it's it's a it's you know it's analog and. And, yeah. and one of the issues that sometimes comes up is players, they're not as familiar with that as they are with, say, medieval fantasy. And so my approach has been um, to just focus on a few things at a time. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, not, not overwhelm the players with, uh, you know, you got to know all these things. Like, just, okay, I'm going to kind of emphasize filial piety for a while or something and then emphasize Yeah. else. But also, at one point, we had a, um, a player join the game uh, who lives in China and translates uh, Wuxia and Xianxia novels, and so he and he speaks Chinese, um, but he's an American, and he knows way more about Chinese culture than I ever could hope to because of you know the the language that he's that he's mastered, and his his you know just just every day he's reading he's reading uh, Chinese web novels and translating them, and uh, and so. But what I found was really great was he did rather than be like your uh, the player that entered your Forgotten Realms game, like, well, <laughs> he he was more helpful about what he knew, and so I yeah. found I was very comfortable, you know, saying hey, and I don't want to give his name so I don't know if I have permission to talk about it right now, but but I'll sure you know, we'll, we'll just we'll just call him Jim. Uh, I would Jim. say uh, Jim, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, like does this like can you maybe tell us a little bit about how this would how this would happen. Like if it was something that I didn't know about or something that the players didn't know about, I'd stop and ask him a question. He would happily explain it. And and he would also, just through the way he played his character, help us on, like help get the, you know, like it was, it was just like, you know, leading by example rather than, yeah. rather than leading by correcting people. Um, <laughs> and if something did come up that was like, you know, whoa, that would never happen in a, in a Wuxia novel. He would wait till after the game and explain it and he would say, you know, it might not be a big deal, but just so you know, this wouldn't happen in a Wusha novel for this reason. Yeah, And, and it was yeah. always helpful. Um, and I would remember those way more than I would remember somebody in the moment sort of wagging their finger at me. Do you know what I mean? Um, oh, yeah. So,
1: but, but yeah. Well, while we're on the topic, too, I, uh, in the late 90s, I was, I was, you know, working in a game store. And that was around the time the Legend of the Five Rings role-playing game came out. And I had one guy running a game at the table in my store and he would uh he 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 basically viewed legend the five rings as an excuse to just try and ding players on honor point losses for everything about etiquette they got wrong in the setting and it was just and and he just had like this weird nonsensical idea of you know i mean you know it's it's rokugan which is kind of pseudo japan with a little bit of china in there yeah but it's just he it had this weird idea of the etiquette anyway i'm like well i don't even you know it's just i didn't i didn't even see where it was coming from from things people would get upset about in japan anyway but okay just but it's just like, you know, it's like instead, of, instead of the instructive thing going, oh, giving him a warning and going, oh, by the way, this would be the problem. It's like, boom, you lost an honor point, you know? Okay. <laughs> yeah, what I, what I tend to do, see,
0: because that does come up a lot in ogate And what I try to do is if it's something that's like egregiously violating like one of the – and it's more about the setting than about uh, the real world history. But uh, yeah. like if it's something that I know this would like violate a who in principle – I'll just say to the player you, you you know you can do that but you realize that that would be like a very scandalous thing for your character to do um, yeah you know that's... Yeah. that's usually I think that because 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 my feeling is if the character's breaking this really like important social moray, they would know do you know what I mean it wouldn't be a surprise to them that exactly was, do you know what I mean? that's my
1: point is yeah. you always give the player a warning or yeah. he was just he was just setting them up, setting them up, you know. And it, like I said, it was this arbitrary fictional version of Asia that he'd invented in his head, you know, off reading the Legend of Five Rings rule book and just waiting to ding people for violations.
0: And, yeah, I mean that that could uh, be. I, I did. I made that mistake in my. Um, I, I tried to run a, a Middle East campaign ages ago, and I, uh-huh. I spent all. You know, I was. I. I. I, 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 I mean, I. I made it way too stodgy, like that. Way too focused on 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 uh, on kind of dinging players for not grokking the setting, and yeah. and I and I and I and it was probably my least successful campaign that I've ever done. <laughs> and it was and it was on a subject that I probably had the most knowledge about in terms of yeah. like the, the you know like uh, just like the real world history and stuff. And it uh it, it just didn't. Uh, it didn't work because I, it was like my strength became my weakness because I made it more about, you know, well, this is what I know about it. And, uh, and I'm going to, you know, and, and, and again, I was dinging players and it wasn't, it yeah. wasn't fun for anybody. And nobody understood the setting because I made it way too, I just dropped it on them and I didn't explain. I kind it was kind of like, do you remember, um, the miniseries Shogun?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I do you remember how there's that whole,
0: and in the book too, but like the whole, the whole first part of it is like him being this, like you know, uh, foreigner in a new land, and slowly yeah. becoming aware of their customs, and all these shocking things are happening around him, and he's because he doesn't know the customs. Um, and I kind of did it in a way like that. Not not that the customs were like that, but that it was sort of the I, I it was it was you know, I it was way too easy to to violate the 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 customs of the setting and suffer bad consequences. As a
1: yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, so were you having the players be outsiders that came I into the I setting? I think I might or? have. I
0: don't remember the. This it was so long ago now, but I just remember it did not. I I really. It's like my second worst campaign I ever ran. I, think. Um, <laughs> wow. I mean, I, I yeah, but but I learned a lot from that. I learned a ton from that bad experience.
1: So. Yeah, that's that's the important thing. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I I mean, a lot of games too. You know, like one game that I feel fell into the historical accuracy thing over time was Ars Magica because originally, like the additions that Mark Reinhagen and Jonathan Tweet did, they they liked the idea of kind of oh let's have a medieval mindset, but they mm-hmm. never cared a whole lot about historical accuracy at all it was just kind of this version of the middle ages that you kind of played around in. yeah and and you know but after they both departed the game and other people took it over it kind of felt like the the, kind of the the history people kind of took over the game and and a lot of people like the new edition so it's not like they're bad but it just became it wasn't what you signed
0: up for when
1: you exactly it's like i I love first and second edition and beyond that, it just, it just wasn't the same thing anymore.
0: And I mean, there are games that that have striven for historical accuracy that I think I enjoyed a lot. Like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I think Harn tried to do that. I think people could argue over how successfully it did it, but I, I, I think it definitely was going for that, you know, sort of,
1: yeah, hard cool. feeling.
0: And yeah. I, I, I thought it, I thought they did a great job with it. Um, so it really does depend on the game for me. Um, but also the way that they did it, it was—I uh, don't know—it kind of it, it kind of did it through the scenarios themselves in a lot of ways. So it did it. It just kind—I don't know—it worked. Um, and also with that game, that was one of those games where you—you you, it taught me as a GM how to how to do a lot with very little. I remember a lot of the the locations were not—they weren't. You know, you didn't in Harn. I feel like you didn't see too many you know like these just sort of really elaborate dungeons or whatever they tended to be stuff that you you could imagine really existing in the real world but they would still be interesting um yeah so uh,
1: yeah i i find that i find that's, that's something i've learned over time is just how little detail you need for useful setting information. I mean, it's like you can write, have, have like a three paragraph I was like reading through some stuff yesterday and there was a, a three paragraph description of a village. And I'm like, it had, it had meaningful NPCs. It had interaction between the NPCs. And I'm like, wow, that's everything. I could get a whole session out of those three paragraphs if the character showed up there. And yeah, I, I, I think a lot of stuff is more complicated and detailed than it needs to be
0: yeah and sometimes too that can be that can boil down to presentation if they are going to make it like a like a i don't know a 10 15 paragraph entry carving it up into headers can be really helpful yes Um, yes you know I'm, i'm always amazed how much of a difference that makes um
1: yeah, yeah, well, it's a matter of people want to find... If he, if the Game Master needs to find something in play, you need every visual indicator to help them find that exact spot at the right time.
0: Well, one, one of the things that makes that hard just from a publishing perspective is the way that um, programs like InDesign work. They, they're not very good at... Uh, like, if you try to bold things in InDesign, uh, mm-hmm. it's getting easier now, but but up until very recently, it was quite hard where it, it was difficult to get it to carry over the formatting. And... And so you would have to tag the text that you wanted it bold. Or you would just have to remember or whatever. And uh, and that comes with its own dangers. Because anytime you put a tag in text, like like when I say tag, I mean like in brackets, bold this section. Yeah. Um, yeah. You could leave the tag in and forget to bold it. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so, so I think one of the reasons why you sometimes don't see uh, visual elements like that that draw your attention to things is just because the... the 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 layout process can sometimes eliminate. The writer probably had it nice and bolded when he was making it, and then, uh, and then when it went into InDesign, a lot of the formatting got taken away.
1: Um, yeah, I've never learned InDesign. I learned I learned my uh desktop publishing on Aldus PageMaker on a Mac Plus, so I'm a little little behind the times on that.
0: Well, and I mean, in, for a while, I think you know people were using other programs too, like Quark and. Um, I forget what the other one is, but but InDesign's kind of become like if you use Lightning Source, you you pretty much want to use InDesign. Uh, you mm-hmm. can do it with other programs, but InDesign just makes your life easier. And uh, and um, it, I mean, it's a good program. But it, 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 and like I said, I I I don't lay out my stuff anymore. I stopped laying out our books, with the exception of the um, the Sex of the Martial World books. I don't really do any layout. And, yeah. and so I'm not as up to date on whether the formatting is easier now, but I've heard that it's easier to transfer the firm formatting. Um, but back before it was harder, you, you would, lo- you would, you would basically want to remove all of the code from the body text before putting it into the layout because the, if there was residual coding, it could muck things up, um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which I'm yeah, sure nobody listening cares about, but. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well i care but uh <laughs> no i uh yeah i i i used to be on my school and college newspapers so i used to way way back in the day do layout design and, and i used to have these actual light tables a lot of the time with you know wax paper on light tables so well and that's how, the
0: other thing now it's it, that's like a <laughs> that's a whole other like uh, physically laying out things versus doing it in a um you know on a computer screen are totally different, I suppose.
1: Uh, yeah, your, your original typographer machine would do columns. You'd do columns of text. You'd get them by typing them into the typography machine, and you could, if you made one typo, it's like you were done. You'd have to start the article over. So you okay. know, after you hit after you hit return each line. So you'd, what we would do is you'd have one person standing over your shoulder, going, "Wait, wait, you made a typo," and you know, then you would go back. So it's a two person operation to type up an article.
0: And I imagine uh, a lot of typos just got left in because you wouldn't want to go back and, and adjust.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you got one. Well, you could you could do the thing of of then doing that doing you you, you could type up that single word, then try and glue it over the top of the uh, the article, you mm-hmm. know. So you could you'd have you know layers of, of waxed paper stacked on top of each other to fix typos. But okay, it Good. was it was a primitive process.
0: <laughs> yeah i got i got into layout after the uh electronic uh transition so i didn't have to worry about any of that stuff which i'm glad for
1: because that would have been <laughs>
0: i think that that would have done me in uh that stuff uh,
1: yeah but, it was it was a different time but uh <laughs> i caught the tail end of it and uh no but... i
0: i guess the, the the problem with the like the more software oriented stuff now is that it's there's there's always the threat of things like file corruption and um, things like that, so you have to worry about the the stuff that you would worry sure. about with computers. But that's a that's about it. and mastering the software can sometimes be like I InDesign took a while for me to figure out. I didn't you know I didn't I never went to to school or took courses on any of that stuff, so I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, yeah. But. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I guess we could do a whole program on that
1: at some point. On that, yeah. yeah. We should probably uh, probably move on to uh, another topic. Oh, yeah. But, so, uh, uh, and uh, uh, I guess, well, you know what? Why don't we,
0: we've already been going on for an hour. So, I know we were originally we going to talk about. We could,
1: we could pocket a topic here for another time, yeah. Yeah, well,
0: why don't we get, when we come back, maybe we'll we'll discuss the topics that we had been discussing. Um, <laughs> but, uh but I think now is a good point to to end end the discussion, and we're gonna we're gonna next time we'll be on with um the next two episodes, right? That's what we
1: were thinking of of doing. That that would be a good one for the next one. And, uh, yeah.
0: And at some point, I know I have to do Outland. We're doing that Sean Connery movie. And, yeah, um, I,
1: I'm ready to watch that whenever. As I'm going to be renting it, on, just let me know when you watch it. And okay, watch I got it. it I so. got
0: it right on my coffee table. So as soon as I finish okay. the West Two, that's my next movie um and then um and then robot is another one that we're going to be doing uh, yes. so we got a lot of stuff lined up and and also this um i think this friday i'm doing one arm swordsman with lady Chow Fung and hopefully next monday or tuesday we'll be doing web of death which is a an amazing Cho yuan movie that you have to see it to believe it's just this it, you need it, it would never be my first wuxia recommendation for people but web of death is just a an unforgettable experience. Um, so so all right so so I'll I'll let people go and, and Adam is, is more than welcome to join us if he chooses but he,
1: he does, I, you I, you've kind of got me intrigued. I'll I, I'll tell I'll, t-
0: I'll tell you about it after the after the, the podcast. I'll I'll explain the glory of web of death. To the you.
1: glory of web <laughs> of death. Excellent. Um, so, uh, but
0: but yeah <laughs> it's just un just, just makes these visually beautiful movies with really over the top plot elements and it's this is a prime example of it but uh all right so we will let you go and we will talk to you next time